0: Lisette just needs a little more enthusiasm, doesn't she? Just a little more passion. All right, how are you doing on the fast? You either in today or tomorrow, are you good? All right, so maybe you joined us a week late, maybe you joined us last week, just keep going, but some of us are just about done, baby. Have you ever noticed all these food commercials that come on at night, too, when your favorite foods are all these commercials? It's got to be from Satan or hell itself. It just has to be. Don't give up. Today's it. We're about done. Breakthroughs. It's about, not about the food. It's about breakthroughs. We want to ask God to do supernatural things in our faith, our family, our finances, our future. It's about supernatural breakthroughs. Awesome. My friend, R.J. McConnell. R.J. <clears throat> is a lawyer. He's a partner in downtown Indianapolis at a law firm. We've been friends for over 30 years. And he was here on my turf. We're having lunch. And uh, a male comes by our table and talks to us for about 10 minutes. And then a few minutes later, um, he leaves. And a few minutes later, a female comes by our table and talks to us for a few minutes. And she leaves. And, And RJ said this he said, I never realized that you and I have similar jobs. I'm going, You're a lawyer. I'm a preacher, all right, this is going to be good, and he said, yeah, he said, I never realized that people lie to both of us all day long, (laughs) and I said to RJ, I said, how did you know they were lying? I knew they were lying, but how did you know? He said, Kurt, I'm a lawyer, it's what I do all day long, (laughs) and I thought that was fascinating. Uh, People don't just lie to preachers and lawyers. They lie to themselves. And so this is not going to be, for the faint of heart, this will not be an easy series. In fact, today is like the easiest of the topics of all, and this one's not easy. And so why, why do we lie to ourselves? We're going to expose that during the course of this next eight weeks called Let's Be Honest. But here's the problem. The problem is if you deceive yourself, you'll never grow. The problem is, if you're always worried about image management and you've married that story that you keep telling and it's not really right, you will never get any better. And so the challenge for all of us in this room is give us eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to perceive the great things, the great things that God has in store for us. And so I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, help me, God, to be honest. Take away the veil, remove the scales from my eyes, remove the plugs in my ears. I need to be honest or I'm going to stay the same, exactly where I'm at for the rest of my life. Jesus tells this really weird story. And it's about this guy he heals who's blind. They brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village He spits on the man's eyes, he puts his hands on him, and Jesus asks him, do you see anything? And the guy doesn't get fully healed. He looked up, and the the blind man, who now can see a little bit, said, I see people. He'd never seen people before. They look like trees walking around. So he's not completely healed. He can see, but he doesn't have clear vision. I always thought that was a weird story. Strange. Because you would think that Jesus would just heal everybody instantly. And, of course, then he does. He, in his eye, he put his hands on the man's eyes, and his eyes were open, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Okay. So how does that apply to us? I think it's totally you and me. We get saved, but we're not whole. When we come to Christ, we get saved, but we're not whole. Say, I got saved, but I'm not whole. I got saved, but I'm not whole. With me. I got saved, but I'm not whole. And the whole point about this series is, is, how do you move toward that maturation process? How do you move toward wholeness? You get saved, but you're still overwhelmed with anxiety. You're not whole. You get saved, but you got fear. You got saved, but you still got gr- lust. You got saved, but you still got greed. You got saved, but, but we're in the process of being whole. So Jesus Put his hands on this guy. He can see a little bit, but he can't see clearly. Isn't that you and me? I mean, I can see others' faults, right? Turn to the person to your left and say, I see all your faults. Turn to the person on the other side and say, you got so many, I can't even see them all, okay? (laughs) Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. You can see the faults in others, How do you see yourself? So so today, and the next seven weeks, it's on Let's Be Honest. Today's the easiest one. And today we're going to talk about Jesus. Why is it hard to tell people about Jesus? It seems to be easy to tell people about everything else. It's not hard to talk about football. I can't wait for next Sunday night. I don't know what I'm going to do after Sunday night until August next year, but I can't wait to talk about We're going to talk about the 49ers. We're going to talk about the Chiefs. We, we talk about politics. No matter which side of the aisle you're on, you have an opinion about the impeachment proceedings. Now we're in it, aren't we? Huh? Now we're in it, baby. Oh, yeah, here we go. We're in it. We talk about all kinds of things. We talk about the foods that we gave up. We talk about how hard the fast has been. We talk about the prayers that have been answered. People are talking about all kinds of, why is it so hard? Well, you say, well, it isn't hard. I, I don't talk about Jesus. Am I supposed to? I don't feel like I can. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what to say. I don't like those people who just choke their religion and their faith. So, so your, your first statement is, is, it's not hard for me at all. I, I don't do it. here's the next question. Why would I tell people about Jesus? As far as I can tell, it's the only thing he ever asked you to do. As far as I can tell. I mean, there's some nuances and ancillary, but, but the big, big one, he saved you from your sins, he removed your guilt, he gave you eternal life. As far as I can tell, the only thing he ever then asked you to do followers fish. From now on I will make you fishers of men. I I really can't see anything else as a higher priority than what he, he he forgave you, he loves you, he gives you eternal life, he removes your guilt, he removes your shame, he gives you purpose, he gives you clarity, he gives you direction. But the only thing that I can really see that he asks you to do is he asks you and I to get really good at this, and we're not, because we're uncomfortable We don't know how to do this. Today we're going to get real practical and walk through this. But you see, this is not a normal congregation. You have positions of authority. You are not normal. This is not the average congregation in America. You have skill, you have position, you have ability, you have resources, you have all kind of leverage. And so why do you have all that? Why are you where you are? It's so that you will have one eye on your business and one eye on all the people who are around you. One eye on your family and one eye on your neighbors. Maybe there's a good reason you got an eye on your neighbors, but, but the point is we're going to walk through how they matter and you're in, those, you're in the school you're in, you're in the job you're in, you're in the, neighbor, you're, you're in the, sc- the neighborhood, you are where you are because God has given you Incredible positions and power and influence. And none of this is about you or me. None of this is about us. It's all about the people who are around you. Jesus said, from now on, I will make you fishers of men. And so these great business guys became incredibly skilled after a while. So let's ask one more question what would I tell somebody? I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? What would I tell somebody? If I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, what in the world? How how do I do this? And so I, I think one of the reasons why we don't do more of this is we're really not sure who Jesus is. We're not exactly sure then how to do it, And so we've tried it a couple of times, and it's gone poorly. You've you've landed the Cessna, and it's crashed. And you got hurt, and you don't want to fly the plane again, in this analogy. So the first decision, though, that we have to make is, who who is Jesus? Well, what did Jesus say about himself? You see, people say he's a good moral teacher. If he's a good moral teacher, then he's a liar. Because this good moral teacher claimed to be God. And you've got to figure out who Jesus is. Jesus is not just a good example. Jesus is not just a nice guy. Jesus is not just a great teacher. If he's not who he claimed to be, then he's a liar. And good moral people are not liars, right? So here's what Jesus said in one occasion. He said, the Father and I are one. Now, there's none of us in this room, unless we're delusional, would say you are equal with God. And if you do say that, we got some security in the back. They got straitjackets. They got a paddy wagon. They're ready to take you out somewhere, right? None of us would say that. Jesus said that. Jesus said, The Father and I are one. Now, I love this. Now, here, here is when he's when he's been arrested, and he's just about to be flogged. And look what Jesus says before the chief priests. The high priest said to him, to Jesus, you're under oath. He's in a court of law. Promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, okay? I command you by the power of the living God to tell us the truth. Tell us, are you the Messiah? Jesus is standing in front of the high. Are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, yep, you bet I am. And it gets worse if you're thinking he's committing blasphemy. Now you've got the um, same story, a little bit different. From now on, he said, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Who says that? If they're not real. Then the high priest tore his clothes and he said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look now, we have heard the blasphemy. And here he is, but now not before the Jewish authorities. Now he's before the, the Roman authorities. Pilate was the Roman authority. Listen to how he responded to the Roman authorities. Jesus stood before Pilate, the governor, and he asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, Yep, I am. That's right. That's right. Now, It's one thing for you to talk about yourself, but what did his enemies say about him? Here's what the enemies said about Jesus. These are people who don't like him. Jesus is now on the cross, and they're walking by, and they're hurling insults at him, and here's what they said. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the Son of God. So even the enemies of Jesus claim that Jesus said, I am God. I am the Son of God. Those are the enemies. Here are the demons. Now we go from enemies to demons. So are the demons going to lie about the Messiah? Well, the demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and he would not allow them to speak because they knew. They knew who he was. They knew he was what? The Messiah. Incredulous. And then you've got a professional assassin. All he does is execute people. Professional executioner, he executes, executes. He's executed thousands and thousands of people. And here's what he said. When the centurion and those, who with him, who were those with him were guarding Jesus, they saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified. And he explained, surely he was the son of God. Remember when Jesus took his disciples to an area called Caesarea Philippi? And he asked them, he, to his disciples, he said, guys, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some people think you're Elijah, some people think you're Jeremiah, some people think you're one of the prophets. Jesus, oh, okay, okay, okay. But, but guys, it's going to be critical for you to have this answer. That's what he says to them. It's critical for you to get this. Who do you say that I am? And Peter goes, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded by receiving that. Jesus didn't say, oh, no, 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 I'm just a good guy. No, 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 I'm, I'm just a good prophet. Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven revealed this to you. And based upon your statement, I'm going to build the foundation of the church. And the church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about this. Christianity is not based on the teachings of Jesus, though they were great. They're not based on the miracles of Jesus, though so those were awesome. Christianity's not even based on the beliefs. Christianity's based on an event, either he did or he did not, historically bodily raised from the grave. And so, these same disciples, who denied him, Peter, who cursed in front of a middle school girl, had an encounter. And had this encounter with with Jesus. And after his encounter with Jesus, and by the way, you want to know why some of you don't tell other people about Jesus? I mean, let's just be honest. You've never had an encounter. And and you're not continuing to have encounters. Maybe you had an encounter at church camp when you sang kumbaya and you threw another log on the fire. That was 25 years ago. You see, when they had an encounter, they carried their encounter. And when you have an encounter with Jesus daily and weekly, you carry that encounter. You can't wait to somehow figure out how to help all those people around you who are lost and going straight to hell. And you care about them. So they had, they had this incredible encounter. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was, was a man accredited by God to you with miracles, wonders, and signs. Now, it's critical you you know when he said this. This is Peter after the resurrection. Before the resurrection, a middle school girl took him to his knees. After the resurrection, he is now toe-to-toe with Caiaphas, toe-to-toe with Annas, toe-to-toe with the chief priests and the teachers of the law. He's got so much boldness, so much courage because he's had an encounter. And when you have an encounter, you carry an encounter. So if you don't have an encounter, get one. Get several. Get a bunch. He says, signs, wonders, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross, but God raised him from the dead. This is now Peter standing toe to toe with the enemies of God because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then look how he says this. He says, God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. He's saying, look, I saw it. I was there. I was on the shore. And he comes up to me, and he says, let's, he's got some fish bro- eaten, bro- you know, cooking, and we broiled fish, and we eat fish together. And Peter's going, I, I was there. I-, I was there. So let's talk about this. Let's just be as practical as we possibly can be. I want to help you with this. So here's the first one. How do I tell people about Jesus? How, how do I do it? I think before you ever tell anyone about Jesus, you need to tell Jesus about them. Before you ever talk to anybody about God, you talk to God about them. Here's why. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, four. Say that with me. 2 Corinthians 4, four. One more time. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so they can't see. You ever wonder why your brother can't get it? And you're overwhelmed with the sacrifice of Christ? And, and there's, a, there's a gap with your sister, and you're just like, how does she not see this? you got a grandchild, or, and you're going, a our business partner? And you're going, my goodness, this is so logical, and there's so much evidence. that God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers. So when you go and you show up and throw up on somebody, the gospel, that's what I call it, show up and throw up, okay? When you show up and throw up on them, they're blind. They cannot see the light of the gospel. So before you ever talk to them about God, you talk to God about about them. Now, here's your advantage. Ecclesiastes chapter 311 says, Ecclesiastes 311, say it with me, Ecclesiastes 311, it's one of my favorite verses, God has already set eternity in their hearts. Everybody who's ever rejected God, everybody who's ever resisted God, everybody who's ever rebelled, there's already eternity set in their hearts. And so that's why a couple of Sundays ago we talked about praying for the veil to be removed, Lord, remove the veil from her heart. Remove the veil from his heart. Lord, remove the veil. And then, Lord, bring the light. Bring delight. Bring delight. And so you, you always pray. Marcia Braswell prayed 36 years for her boss, PK Seedman. 36 years. First of all, you start by prayer. And you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray. But here's the second one. You guys, you wait. You wait for that window of opportunity It's, it's kind of like surfing you wait for the wave. If you're going to be an offshore fisherman, you wait for a good day right? If you're going to be a golfer you don't go out in the lightning you, you you wait you just wait for an opportunity And guess what? God loves your brother or your sister or your granddaughter far more than you do and God's going to give you an opportunity at just the right time and just the right place you wait now how do i know this because i've showed up and thrown up on a whole lot of people in my younger days and i won arguments and i lost the relationships you're not there to win an argument you're there to wait for your opportunity marcia prayed for 36 years for p.k seedman I I think you always do number three, you ask for permission. So P.K. Seidman's 90 years old. He um, is a lawyer, downtown Memphis, also a CPA, had 25 offices all around the United States. He had the top floor of the NBC building, the tallest building in Memphis, downtown Memphis. He had the keys to the NBC building. He worked seven days a week, every single, had no kids, was married, she passed away, and at age 90, um, he gets a little bit of esophagus cancer. Not a bad case, but he had a little bit of esophagus cancer. And so his assistant, Marsha Braswell, asked me if I would go share Christ with PK. So I'm up at the top of the NBC building, you know, and I um, meet with him one time, and we decided to go to lunch. He said, Let's go to lunch. I'd like to get to know you, Mr. Parker. It's very formal. And so we're at lunch at the Peabody Hotel where all the ducks are. You've seen the ducks on TV? It's a cool place. And so um, I say to him over lunch, I'm stumbling trying to share the gospel. and am trying to squeeze it in, you know, and it's not working well. And so finally I just said, you know, Mr. Seidman, uh, can I share with you what I believe about Jesus? He said, yes, you may, but not today. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And uh, then the bill came for lunch, and I said, um, may, I, may I get lunch? He said, yes, you may, but not today. I never forgot that. It was an awesome response to a young pastor, young person. And so um, time goes by, and now he's getting a little bit more sick. He's 91, 91 half. and um, I get invited to go back up to his office, and I'm up there in his office meeting with him just for coffee or tea or whatever we were doing, and I said, "Uh, Mr. Seidman, can I share with you why I believe that Jesus is the Messiah? He said, yes, you may. Man, I was nervous. I I was just, I'm about to get diarrhea, you know, up there. I'm so shook at that point. I don't know what to say. Um, This is real. Let's keep it honest, all right? Let's just be honest. And and I'm so outgunned and outmatched by this, you know, giant legend of, of Memphis. And I I butcher my way through it, you know, and and he said, thank you, Mr. Parker. That's it? Okay, all right. So PK then, um, he gets really sick, and here's how he tells the story. He's 92 years old, and he's going to die real soon. And he said to Marsha Braswell the next day, That the night before, an angel of God woke him up. And there was a two foot by two foot white light at the end of his bed. And the angel of the Lord said to P.K. Seedman, he said, the angel said, this is your last chance to bow your knee before Jesus, the Messiah. And P.K. gets out of bed, gets on one knee, and he surrenders his life to Jesus Christ. The next morning, he calls Marsha Braswell. And he says, Marsha, this is what happened. I want you to tell Mr. Parker about what happened. And he said, I want you to order five Bibles. And he bought five Bibles that Marcia ordered. And four of them were for his four closest Jewish buddies, all colleagues. I got the fifth one. The Bible I cherish to this day. I, I, I ask for permission. I think I made so many mistakes trying to show up and throw up. But you honor the people who are around you. You wait for that opportunity and you honor them when you ask for permission. And then you just tell them what the Lord has done for you. I'm at the top of the NBC building just telling PK... God's forgiven me. God loves me. God's given me a plan. God's given me a purpose. God I have a calling on my life. I'm just telling them what the Lord's done for me. People can't argue what the Lord has done for you. They may not agree with you. They may not like it, but they can't argue with it. It's your story. It's your testimony. And so you tell them what the Lord has done for you. But that's where you have that encounter. And that encounter are those experiences that you experience with God in, in this life. You see, I, I love being your pastor. But honestly, that pales in comparison to the encounters that I have with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The, the most exciting part of my life, I got a great family, a great wife. I, I love all that. I love, I lo- and I love what I get to do. But the best part of my life are my encounters with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's those encounters that you carry. And you listen, you wait, and the Holy Spirit just says, not now, not now, not now, not now, 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 just like that, now. You wait. and You honor them. You always honor these people, the people around. You always honor them. You never dishonor the people that you want to share the greatest news with. You wait. But then you've also got to deal with your own fears. Yeah, there'll be some rejection. Yes, there'll be some people that won't agree with you. Yes, yes, yes. You just got to deal with that. Peter did. You see, when he had an encounter, he carried encounter. So there's lots of different ways to have these encounters. Fasting is one, going out to a park by yourself, praying in the morning, at night, connect group, lots of ways to have encounters worship is an encounter the scriptures you, you encounter him uh, one of the ways however is really serving and I just want to show you right now um, our local outreach this is our outreach Sunday I just want to show you some of our local outreaches and even how you can serve and have those amazing encounters watch this
1: when I hear 2020 I automatically related to perfect vision I know scientifically, it doesn't necessarily mean you can see perfectly, but having 2020 vision means you have pretty good clarity of sight. Well, we're now in year 2020. So this year, I'm asking the Lord to change the way we see things and to sharpen our spiritual eyes, to metaphorically give us 2020 vision. Jesus walked the earth, helping and healing the broken and the lost with the power of the spirit and the truth of the gospel. I believe he did this so well because he had eyes to see people beyond the things they did. He saw their hurting hearts, and that stirred up compassion, and that compassion compelled him to share the power of God and the good news with those around him. He didn't just see the lame, blind man or the prostitute, he saw hurting people in need of a Savior.
2: I think it's really important for us to be serving in the community. The project that we served in in Wind the Bay was Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Actually getting to know them and what they're all about was was absolutely incredible. It's one thing just serving on your own, but when you can bring your young kids and involve them from the beginning of the process all the way to the end was absolutely unbelievable.
1: I decided to become an outreach leader because outreach and serving people has always been on my heart. Serving together for my connect group has really grown us a lot closer. And uh, by doing our serving project with uh, the Maddie Williams uh, Food Pantry, it really gave us an opportunity to connect outside of just the small group.
0: The opportunity to come up and uh, mentor at the youth ranch with Primavera has been really fun. It's, It's such a great environment. I got a kid named Elijah and I go to meet with him every Tuesday. And we just have one-on-one. We grab a golf cart and we go around the grounds
2: and he just unloads. And let me tell you, he's got stories, but he just absolutely loves that time of that one-on-one. And it's just really been a blessing, not only for him, but for me as well. I'd like to share with you three local outreach ministries born right here in our church. The first is called Second Chance. Second Chance is run by Desiree McElroy, And its mission is to bring the love of Jesus to the front door of women who are being exploited, namely at local clubs right here in Pinellas County. They do this by giving these women free gift packages, going into the clubs to pray for them every month and providing basic needs for their families. The second ministry is called Pinellas County Prison Ministry, run by local missionary, Brian Harper. Brian and his team minister to those who are serving time in our county jail and prison system by providing them with Bibles, Bible studies, recovery resources, and of course, prayer. The third ministry is called Restore, and it focuses on the skateboarding community around Pinellas County. Leaders Mike Francisco and Sebastian Boyer recognize that the skateboarding community can be a dark place, and they are there to serve as a light of Christ through Bible studies, discipleship, and even feeding the homeless with other skateboarders. If you would like to serve in or financially support any of these three ministries, Second Chance, Pinellas County Prison Ministry, or Restore, please see us at our display in the lobby or visit harvestsidechurchorg outreach.
1: We all have an eternal purpose to build the kingdom of God in our spheres of influence. And this year, I'm praying for the church to receive clarity in their spiritual vision so that they can better build the kingdom. We say this with our marriage mentoring. Everyone starts in love, but it takes skills to stay in love. That can be applied to just about anything because skills are so important. So this year, we're going to offer some training seminars and connect groups on sharing your faith and evangelism so that we can be equipped for lives of ministry. 2020 will be the year we received sharpened spiritual eyes. And 2020 will be the year when we see people the way the Lord sees them.